Staying married is not mainly about staying in love. It is about keeping covenant. Till death do us part, or as long as we both shall live, our sacred covenant promises. The same kind Jesus made with his bride when he died for her. John Piper Welcome to the Don't Knock It podcast, where we address misconceptions about Jesus' character, His church, and His word. By doing this, we hope to encourage you to delight in Christ before dismissing Him, to know Him before knocking Him. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez, and today's misconception is, Biblical marriage is outdated and oppressive. This episode is going to have a slightly different approach to it because Carolyn and I just celebrated our first wedding anniversary on May 20th, and I'm feeling quite grateful, so I'm going to pour out my heart on here for a little bit. However, in order to remain consistent with the theme of the podcast, I'll also be addressing the misconception that marriage, as God defined it, is outdated and oppressive. That it's no longer relevant, that it's not beautiful, that it's not worth fighting for, that it's not the most ideal form of an intimate union between a man and a woman, and that he doesn't have his hand on it and won't bless it. Now right off the bat you may be thinking, how in the world do you intend on proving marriage based on what the Bible says is the most ideal way to do it when you've only been married for one year? You've got a lot to learn buddy, you haven't even started. Well, my purpose for this episode is not to explain the vast amount of wisdom that I would have from being married for 30 plus years with a grip of kids like many people out there, but what I am here to do is to reflect on and celebrate God's hand in my marriage, as well as to demonstrate that marriage God's way is the only legitimate, most authentic, intentional, selfless, and fulfilling type of marriage there is and ever could and ever will be. This is about reflection and celebration. Two things that every believer, not just every married person, should consistently base their lives upon. For the Christian, a constant reflection on what Jesus has done for them in the past, as well as what he's doing now, will dictate how the rest of their days go here on earth. For the Christian, a mindset on celebration will incline their hearts to love and obey here on earth in hopes of what's to come when the Lord calls them home and welcomes them into His glorious presence. So join me as I reflect and celebrate God's handiwork in our marriage and demonstrate that a marriage founded on biblical principles is the goal. Remember that first walk we went on in the middle of the pandemic? We went to McKay Lake in Broomfield, walked around it numerous times and talked until the sun went down. Maybe it was the panic and fear in the air due to the current state of the world at the time, but something was stirring up inside me that provoked me to be fearless, to be vulnerable, to be expressive, to reveal my true and honest character because if you were indeed the one God had in store for me, I was not going to waste a single second. So I refused to tiptoe around what was technically our first date, not fearing what an older woman would think of such an emotional younger man. So I shared, and shared, and shared some more. I reveal to you that I wear my heart on my sleeve, that I am not afraid to cry in front of others, especially in church. 
I told you of that one time in high school where I watched that movie with Zac Efron called The Lucky One by myself. I shared that I purposely watch tear-jerking movies in order to let some tears fly every once in a while because it makes me feel alive. And then I told you about a speech I heard long ago when I was a kid that seriously influenced me in so many ways to be present in every moment that I found myself in. The speech was given on March 4th, 1993 at the ESPY Awards by the late great NC State basketball coach Jim Valvano. He had been battling cancer and actually passed shortly after his speech. But when my dad called me into the living room one night and asked me to listen to the speech several years ago, little did I know I would be sharing that influence with my future wife on our first date. The entire speech is incredible, but here's what I shared with you on that day at McKay Lake. Jimmy Valvano said, I quote, When people say to me, how do you get through life or each day? It's the same thing. To me, there are three things we all should do every day. We should do this every day of our lives. Number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. Number three is you should have your emotions move to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. End quote. Here's what I was telling you when I told you that. If you receive me, if you say yes to pursuing a relationship with me, I am going to love you through the mundane. Yes, the mundane. The little things, the slow days, through the everyday routines. The moments most people flee from because they'll break out in hives of anxiety if they remain there too long. I was communicating to you that I wasn't looking to be wowed every day because my day was considered a heck of a day if I laughed, cried, and spent some time in thought. I was communicating to you that there would be no unrealistic expectations of how fantastic I expected our days to be, but to allow you to be your whole self without feeling the need to impress or perform. I think it also gave you permission to be yourself. Any negative thoughts that came to your mind like, oh man, what if he thinks I'm boring? I don't do this, I'm terrible at that, and I hate doing that. What if he finds that out about me and walks away? I wanted to remove those insecurities by simply communicating. Ultimately, our security as Christians comes from the Lord, which is what I'll get to next. But I also wanted to remove any insecurities and negative thoughts you would have of yourself from the get-go. To see how many birds I could kill with one stone, so to speak. The main reason for that is because I refuse to let any one of those thoughts and feelings hinder the progression of our relationship. There will always be room for you to express how you're feeling, but our feelings are not authoritative, they're expressive. They do not authorize our decisions, but they do inform them, so there will always be room for that, and you know that. But as you know, as well as every practicing Christian should know, a part of us has to die to continue moving forward. As you know, we often share our DDTS moments with each other. DDTS simply stands for Daily Die to Self which stems from Luke 9.23, where Jesus says, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. These moments are special to us because in order to be a Christ-like example to each other, it is important and pretty special for us to share these moments from time and time because it will show how much we're growing in the Lord, in our individual walks with Him. This has been such a pivotal part of our marriage. 
when we set our eyes on becoming more like Jesus every day, bearing our cross, depending on the Holy Spirit to empower us to do the things that we don't want to do, we nourish and build up one another and become a joy to be around. This is something I've been moved to tears thinking about, and you know that. One example of this is how you felt about experiencing certain changes in the early stages of pregnancy. I quickly realized that I couldn't just attempt to reassure you with overused phrases that didn't speak to what was going to what was really going on in your heart. I had to stop and ask myself, why is it bothering me that she won't accept the body changes during pregnancy more willingly? Bearing and birthing children is beautiful. I mean, I tell her that I'm listening and that I understand when she's sharing what's on her heart with me, but do I really? Do I really understand? Am I really listening? Like I've told you before, my love, you are an invaluable jewel of sunshine, laughter, and joy. And for me to be the one holding your hand through hearing our daughter's heartbeat for the first time, while I hold back a torrential downpour of joyful tears, and also holding you as you struggle to keep food down during the first trimester, one of the most precious gifts in our marriage and this pregnancy so far is witnessing your heart gradually change towards wholeheartedly embracing motherhood. I use this example of growing further and further into Christ-likeness by dying to our fleshy ways because it's been the most prevalent one recently. Yet every day, every day has consisted of picking up our cross and reflecting Christ's love for the church. Now this is where I'll explain why the secular understanding of marriage, meaning a non-Christian understanding, crashes and burns in the face of God's prescribed plan. At this point someone may say, whoa there Chris, now you've gone too far. I'm not Christian and neither is my wife and we have a great marriage. We don't need your religion to have a happy marriage. To which I would respond with, I understand your possible frustration or annoyance with what I just said, but hear me out for a little bit. This is why I'm confident in saying what I just said. During our wedding ceremony, both our pastor and myself mentioned the passage in Ephesians 5 where Paul is commanding husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. It reads like this, starting at verse 22, and I'm going to read till verse 27. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So I don't think people understand the gravity of this passage and how it literally guides one's entire marriage, whether they've been married for 30 minutes or 30 years. You see, God commands, not suggests, that wives submit to their husbands in the same way the church submits to Christ, and that husbands are to love their wives in the same way Jesus loved the church. And we don't have to ever question how that's done because we have four gospels and the book of Acts as proof. Jesus died for her. 
and his church submits. So the husband lays his life down for her in loving sacrifice, and the wife lays her life down for him in humble submission. Many women will hear that, think Christian marriage is oppressive, and say, nope, that's where I draw the line. I'm not submitting to anyone. I'm an independent woman who does not take orders from anyone, especially from a man. This is 2022 America, not 30 AD Israel. Yet I would ask them to consider, is Jesus worth submitting to? Observe his life, observe his character, observe how he protects the sanctity of his church. This is what a husband is to dedicate his entire life to. And if I'm honest, honey, I know you don't like talking about this, but let me just say this. If God were to call me home tomorrow, I could stand before him and rejoice over how I've spent my days with you. Because as verse 27 says, I have labored and will continue to labor in order to present you without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that you might be holy and without blemish before him. That's what God has called me to do. And it has been the most incredible journey I've ever stepped into because I witness God's heart every day with you. God's heart is seen in both his covenant to his people and in marriage, because Christian marriage is meant to reflect the love God has for his church. None of this, if you do for me, I'll do for you, or you haven't changed, so why should I type of trash. I love how Timothy Keller compares this transactional type of marriage with the covenantal one God puts in place for his people. He writes, a covenant is a solemn, permanent whole self-giving of two parties to each other, as opposed to this consumer-vendor relationship in which the connection is maintained only if it serves both parties' self-interests. This is at the heart of every broken Christian marriage and the root of every divorce and separation. Couples have either lost sight of God's love, forgotten what He's done for them, have failed to delight in Him, or a combination of all three, and that has led them to become dissatisfied ungrateful. That's it. That's the root. Ingratitude. Not towards a spouse, but towards God. Because if we remember, marriages are supposed to reflect God's love for his church. So if believers aren't grateful for God's sacrifice of his son, then that'll dictate how their marriages end up. Here's why. Our gratitude is directly tied to what we think we deserve. If we think we deserve the world, and God gives us a loving spouse, a couple kids, sustainable jobs, and a roof over our heads, we're still not going to be satisfied because in our minds, we deserve the world. We deserve so much more. Christians who fall into this trap are deceiving themselves straight into such a high level of ingratitude that it often leads them to dismiss and even disgust what they have right in front of them. It breaks our hearts, doesn't it? So what's the solution? God has been so good to us this past year because he has consistently shown us and reminded us of the solution, even if it's the hardest thing in the world to show to each other. And we fail constantly at it, yet continue pushing forward. Let us not fall into the temptation of thinking we've got it all figured out because we fall every single day. But there is a way. And I'll close out with this. What's that solution? The solution is humility. Humility is the answer to all of our marital problems. Humility will provide beautiful reconciliation no matter how hardened our hearts get in our marriages. Do you understand how much humility it takes to pray with your spouse? Do you, to read the scriptures or worship or go to church together? 
It is divine. It is a divine power. Although it's divine, it's not impossible. However, it is impossible to adequately express it in our relationships when we don't consider the humility that Jesus Christ has already shown us first. In Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 3, we read, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a slave and being made in the likeness of men. Christ's humiliation involved descending from the utmost position of power and esteem to the bottomless pit of experiencing a slave's death, and we can't apologize to our spouses? We can't humbly submit to our husband's leadership and respect them? We can't minister to and love our wives sacrificially? My dearest Carolyn Britt Ramirez, I have failed in many ways since we've exchanged I do's, but my love for you is constantly being empowered and recharged by the very God who placed the stars in the sky and controls the ocean you love so much. It is his heart and his character we pursue, and by doing that together, our hearts are continually being knit together and our individual characters are being further conformed into the likeness of his son allowing us to experience an intimate union that no man can break or separate. It is in this very same Jesus that we here at the Don't Knock It podcast encourage you all to seek out and know and love, to delight in him before dismissing him, to know him before knocking him. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Don't Knock It podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez. Grace and peace, family.